0: UFO Thinker Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the UFO Thinker Podcast, part of the Colin Albine's Cab Network. My name's Frank And let's get cracking as always. And today's a solo mission, talking about some recent events, few updates, things that have been going on, and what we're likely to see over the next few weeks. So we've had some powerful members of Congress are dead set on killing UFO transparency type of headlines. And that particular one there uh, is from Marek von Rennenkampf, an article in The Hill. And the article starts off, Um, Quote, since 2020, no fewer than 10 former government officials, military officers and scientists, along with a former Senate majority leader, have alleged or suggested publicly that the US government has recovered advanced craft of unknown origin, that is, UFOs, unquote. And that sort of says it all about what this year and the last couple of years really, but particularly this year, uh, has been all about. I remember, funnily enough, um, listening to a couple of podcasts that, that I really enjoy, and one of those engaging a phenomenon with James Iandoli, I remember there was a crash retrieval week, and I seem to remember that wasn't last year, but the year before. So that sort of goes back to the original sort of time that crash retrievals and reverse engineering started to become a bigger part of the conversation. But I remember even those discussions on crash retrieval week, you know, so many of the aspects of this were still seen as kind of slightly fringe even within the ufo topic i think at that point it's been discussed going way way back decades but i think the wider the the sort of mainstream aspect of the ufo discussion i think people were even still shying away from crash retrievals and things like that and 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 here we are this year has been front and center as they say has been the specific aspects of crash retrievals and reverse engineering programs which is great for me because it's kind of the area that I'm probably the most interested in if, if I'm honest um something I didn't even realize myself until quite recently but that is definitely a key area of uh, of, of where my focus lies so this bipartisan legislation uh, sponsored by Senate majority leader Chuck Schumer uh, aim to establish like a, a process a mechanism with the the end goal of essentially unveiling the existence of non-human intelligence to the public um but obviously the legislation as has been oft discussed within the ufo community and i've mentioned recently on the podcast and we certainly talked about it on the round table in some detail is that there has been some um some doubt cast as, as to whether this was actually going to make it through Uh, in the end now we'll get into the reasons why where that doubt has come from and why that that kind of thing is happening uh, shortly but d dean johnson uh, who is probably you know the kind of go-to guy for deep dives on political processes within the united states uh, on twitter certainly and probably widely more widely as well D. Dean Johnson has replied to a post uh, on X claiming that uh, Biden is preparing an unprecedented address to the nation sometime next year following the passage of the UAP Disclosure Act um, in the NDAA by saying, quote, an unprecedented presidential address next year following the passage of the UAP Disclosure Act, you say? And yet in, in more than four months since the Senate passed the UAP Disclosure Act on July the 27th, there is zero evidence that any office or official in official capacity of the executive branch of the Biden administration has taken the slightest action in support of advancing the measure into law, which is one reason that it is now in dire jeopardy. When asked about the measure publicly, administration spokespersons such as the NSC's John Kirby have not given it so much as a polite nod. They've been strictly in no-comment mode. However, it does appear to me that components of the Pentagon are resisting the legislation in substantial part. On this website, I've repeatedly challenged anyone to provide a single quote from a single identified member of Congress or either party, affirming that he or she, or a staffer, since July 27th, has received a single call, visit, email from or letter from any administration official in an official capacity or office expressing support uh, for advancing the UAP Disclosure Act into law. No one has provided any such example. Unquote. It's quite a long quote there, but um, that's how it is these days with uh, longer posts on X, if you're willing to stump up for the blue uh, verification tick. But I think it's a, a very good point. And there's different ways to to look at this and certainly at the moment with with all of this wrangling going on with this legislation i must say a lot of people who i have a lot of time for and they've had very thorough analysis in the past and and that kind of thing don't all seem to be in agreement and it's a lot of it is because we don't exactly know the specifics of what is going on uh, behind the scenes with with some of this stuff but certainly publicly i think it's fair to say there aren't any clear indications that the, the president's you know specific office or that you know any any part of the executive branch have openly supported this and got involved to throw their weight behind it certainly you know could be reasons for that being the case it is obviously an issue that's got a lot of stigma around it and i don't think anybody doubts that and it may just be that especially very close to a, an election. The the president or anybody associated closely with the president don't really want to be seen to be getting involved in this. Who knows if there have been kind of off record, um, behind closed doors um, actions taken by the president or anybody involved in the president acting on his behalf? But certainly doesn't seem to be the case that there are any openly any any folks in that kind of realm openly supporting this and throwing their weight behind it schumer himself recently commented that quote house republicans are also attempting to kill another common sense bipartisan measure passed by the senate which i was proud to co-sponsor to increase transparency around what the government does and does not know about unidentified aerial phenomena unquote now that sums it up in a nutshell, isn't it? That's what we all want, to increase transparency about around what the government does and does not know, because I think that's the thing. Often we get very caught up trying to figure out what the government does know, but actually knowing what the government does not know is actually just as fascinating. And I suppose therein lies the problem in terms of transparency, because i'm sure adversarial nations would also very much like to know what the u.s doesn't know because if it turns out they do know any of that stuff then that that becomes uh something that's be very interesting for them to I- exploit um but yeah very very interesting just in general that you know what the government does know is fascinating but also what the government doesn't know is equally fascinating and when we say the government obviously that's a huge generalisation because I'm sure not every single person in, in employment by the government knows about this. You know, Some of them, a the vast majority in fact, probably have absolutely no idea and that's probably changing as, as time goes along. But it's certainly not the government. If you're a part of government, you know everything and if you're not part of government, you don't know anything. Uh, it's not really that, that way, is it? But uh, anyway, let's not get too caught up on the specifics of the word in there. Let's move on. So, as I discussed in the most recent uh, episode that we uh, put out with the pod, in uh, quite a bit of detail, the roundtable episode that is, Representative Mike Turner, Chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, and Representative Mike Rogers, Chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, uh, are leading these kind of efforts to prevent any meaning meaningful version of this provision from being added to the 2024 National Defence Authorisation Act, NDAA mike and mike as grush described them on rogan now um as i was talking about on that episode that we put out in a bit more detail i won't go into that specifics now but the the debrief had actually published a chart of house armed services committee members with their corresponding amounts that they received from defense contractors um over the last couple of years and it really is quite astonishing top of the list is mike rogers Uh, One of the two people who were mentioned who were leading the efforts to quash the uh, Schumer Amendment. And uh, he received over $300,000 in one year alone, which is 2022. And Mike Turner is at number five on that list as well. So both of the Mikes are way up there. Uh, interestingly, the bottom two on that list are Mike Gallagher and Ruben Galejo, two folks who have actually been very active in the last few years of aggressively pursuing transparency on this issue. Now, I think it's, it gets a little bit tricky when you start talking about these potential really quite significant and, and um, important conflicts of interest we're talking about you know, politicians in the United States who get funding directly from defence contractors who are trying to shut down a bill that clearly would push defence contractors if what we believe is true is actually true in terms of the materials and the potential biologics and things that are being held uh, by defence contractors – it would push those that those very same defense contractors to be more transparent with congress and you know an extension of that with the american people and the people around the world for that matter as well and it's um there does seem to be a striking correlation shall we say uh, between those who are trying to um you know kill off those transparency efforts and And those who are actually, you know, pursuing transparency on the issue, which also coincidentally seem to be the ones who get the least funding from defense contractors, I don't think it's a stretch to say there may be a correlation there. Um, I think not everybody would agree on the extent of that, Um, but I think it's, you know, the the information's all there. You can you can make of that what you will. There certainly seems to be that striking correlation, and I think everybody, you know, I was mentioning earlier, how people I've got a lot of time for, people who do a lot of in-depth research, and exactly in agreement on some of the specifics. I think what everybody is in agreement is that there are clear attempts to shut this thing down, and it does seem to be being done by the folks who get the most funding from defense contractors. Um, there doesn't seem to be any debate about that. I think everyone is in absolute agreement, and that in itself is you know quite concerning i suppose you could say it taps into some other areas of you know politics and and conflicts of interest and you know if somebody uh funds your campaign you know do you then give them favorable treatment and obviously that goes on in all kinds of different ways across politics in all different countries but i think in the states there uh particularly on this issue there does seem to be a significant um amount of that going on now liberation times uh reported that danny sheehan has had some interesting things to say on all of this and this is where the other side of the discussion comes in now sheehan has also done a couple of interviews recently as well which have been very interesting Uh, but who is daniel sheehan you may ask i hear you cry but you know We know who Danny Sheehan is, you may also say, but for those that don't, and perhaps a little bit of a refresher for those that do, um, just a bit of background info on on who Daniel Sheehan is and why it's important to um, to, to take on board what he's trying to say. Um, The background, quite important with a lot of these types of things. So Daniel Sheehan, this is according to the information on the New Paradigm Institute website, which is um, founded by uh Danny Sheehan himself Daniel Sheehan I hope, I hope if he ever ends up listening to this he's, he's not too concerned with me calling him Danny obviously his the real name is Daniel but I'm just going to say Danny for short just in case anyone was wondering he's not my best mate I'm not being overly familiar just saying so Daniel Sheehan uh is a Harvard College Harvard Law School and Harvard Divinity School trained constitutional litigation and appellate attorney for Close to five decades, Dan's work as a federal civil rights attorney, author, public speaker, and college and law school educator has helped expose the structural sources of injustice in our country and around the world. He has protected the fundamental and inalienable rights of our world citizens and has elucidated a compelling and inspiring vision for the future direction of our human family. Uh, And over his career... Sheehan has participated in numerous legal cases of public interest, including the Pentagon Papers case, the Watergate break in case, the Silkwood case, the Greensboro massacre case, and others. He established a Christic Institute and the Romero Institute, two non profit public policy centres. Now, I think those are some quite interesting excerpts from a very long um, sort of resume. And what's very clear is that this is an extremely, um, you know, well-established, highly accomplished, um, you know, legal professional who knows exactly the ins and outs of the law and has used that expertise and that experience to actually push for issues where, you know, the, the... ordinary people citizens have had a right to justice or a right to know certain things um, and and uh, you know he's he really has used over the course of his career those skills and that experience to be able to push for those those causes and it's quite clear i think that his motivation with the uap issue is is quite similar he regards it as a similar thing and i think it's quite an interesting point as well people often say oh danny Sheen's always talking about ufos you know, and and the almost critics of people like Sheehan, and people use the same criticism against Ross Coltart as well, who's a you know an award-winning, internationally recognised you know journalist, you know with a very strong track record and and highly regarded amongst his peers and all the rest of it. And people who uh, are perhaps on the slightly more um, debunker side of things in terms of UFOs, they, they will dismiss somebody like Ross Coltart's involvement as oh he's always talking about UFOs, but the thing is. That shouldn't in it, in and of itself actually be uh, something you can use to discredit somebody, can it? It just seems bizarre. It's like if you've got somebody who is renowned for reporting on stories that other journalists don't want to go near because of stigma, because of this, that, and the other. But as as a, you know, an, an exemplary journalist who's got a proven track record in in cracking open these huge big news stories, you know, that have nothing nothing got to do with UFOs. Um, and and somebody of that kind of caliber of journalism sniffs out a really important story going on with ufos and a clear cover-up happening there you know that that says actually quite a lot about the legitimacy of this area of study rather than that makes you question the integrity of the individual And, and i suppose even the fact that there is any weight to that kind of a point being made it just reinforces how strong the stigma still is around all of this. You know, the, the the writing is on the wall pretty clearly, you know what I mean? And when you get people like Ross Coltart getting involved in this, to me that speaks to how how important this topic is rather than makes me question Ross Coltart's credibility. You know, it's if there was one or two people, I suppose I could sort of see it, but when we're talking about, you know, dozens and dozens of high-profile, you know, extremely well-regarded individuals within journalism within science you know the the list goes on and on and on you know it's clear to see that this this issue is is an important one that's been taken seriously by a lot of you know very accomplished people and daniel sheen is another example of that i think somebody who's who's worked you know for people's rights in terms of getting justice and getting you know the truth out there kind of thing And he's obviously in recent years done a lot of work on the UAP issue as well. And I think that's, you know, when you consider the importance of some of these other cases that he's worked on, you know, for me, the UAP issue is right up there with with those kinds of cases in terms of importance. Now, so that's a bit about the background of Daniel Sheehan. And I would definitely recommend folks go and listen to some of the recent interviews uh, that he's done. There was one on James Iandole. He's engaging the phenomenon, which is very good, quite long, um, I would recommend that you concentrate when listening because there's a million miles an hour information being thrown at you and it's a lot of very in-depth legal talk and things like that as well. So not a casual listen, shall we say. But some very interesting things have come out and one of these was in an article written by Christopher Sharp, Harold Powell, um, on the 3rd of December, 2023, of course. Uh, In in this uh, particular article, Chris goes on to talk about how in a Liberation Times interview... Ex-Watergate and Pentagon Papers lawyer Daniel Sheehan, representing whistleblowers alleging hidden and potentially unlawful programs involving materials of non-human origin, warned that the window is closing to preserve the unidentified anomalous phenomena language in the US Senate's 2024 NDAA. The article goes on to say that, quote, Sheehan pointed out that the only opposition to the UAP legislation comes from five influential Republican politicians, Senators Wicker and Mitch McConnell, minority leader of the Senate, and Representatives Mike Turner, Mike Rogers, and Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House. Ninety-eight percent of everybody in Congress is in support of this bill. It's just these five guys holding it up. Is the specific way that she puts it. And as I've mentioned previously, the very small number of people who are objecting to this. Going through are the top of the league table in terms of receiving donations from defence contractors. Um, I've talked about that a lot now, so I'm not going to go into that anymore. But you know, I'll leave a link to um, this article in Liberation Times in the description, and it goes into probably even more detail than what I've been into um, about about the specifics of where that funding is coming from, the people involved, and I recommend everybody to go and check that out. Very very interesting. Now. A key point here, though, is that Sheehan actually says that there is, quote, currently a forty-five percent chance. I don't know where he gets the forty-five figure from, but there we go. Uh, of the UAP language passing intact, he says we're close. We're getting a significant pushback, given the overwhelming majority of senators in both political parties and the overwhelming majority of the members of the Congress in both parties for this uap language we thought this was going to be comparatively easy sailing here unquote obviously i think a lot of people did i even thought as i mentioned recently that i thought this was going to be comparatively easy easy sailing as it were there was such overwhelming support for this in the beginning and in previous years things have pretty much made it through intact with a few few tweaks which i suppose is a debate about how key those tweaks would were in previous years but still Things have generally, um, you know, ended up getting through okay. But even more key, I think, and this is what we're going to delve a bit further into in a moment, is the following statement, which is, quote, sources have disclosed to the Liberation Times that although fronting the new legislation, Senator Chuck Schumer's staff and others in the Senate have been in coordination with various quarters of the US government including the white house and its national security council to create the language commenting on this she and told liberation times the bottom line is that the president has decided along with chuck schumer along with the overwhelming majority of republicans and democrats in both the house and the senate that this the uap disclosure act is the solution unquote now this is obviously in stark contrast to what I mentioned earlier from Dean Johnson, um, but this particular um, point has been repeated by Sheehan in some of his recent interviews as well. Certainly the case that not all, not all are in agreement, but it does make you wonder, given the connections that Sheehan's got, has he heard something that perhaps the rest of us haven't? So going back to Dean Johnson... Uh, who, as I say, is kind of the UFOs community's go-to guy for legislative matters. Um, and D. Dean Johnson's kind of commented a bit further on this as well um, in a very long post on X, which I would recommend everybody, anybody who's interested in the legislation aspect of this and the way it's all playing out, uh, a very, very good person to to go to is D. Dean Johnson. You can find him on Twitter, at D. Dean Johnson. Um, and he, he goes on to explain that despite these claims from Sheehan... Open public support—at least that much is true. Certainly, open public support for this legislation doesn't seem to be actually coming from the White House at this stage. And and um, Johnson's post reads as follows: I won't read the whole thing because it's very long. But quote: Who are you going to believe, Daniel Sheehan, the self-styled insider and power broker, or your own eyes? It's now five months since Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer unveiled the UAP Disclosure Act with bipartisan co-sponsorship, including lead Republican co-sponsor Senator Mike Rounds. The measure passed the Senate without debate or dissent on July the 27th as part of the NDAA. My point here today, however, is that an unsatisfactory outcome in the NDAA conference committee would not be the result only of the current policy preferences of a a few senior Republican legislators, as some are now claiming. It would also be the result of the complete lack of any countervailing pressure from Democrats in the House of Representatives, which in turn reflects radio silence even on non-public channels from the White House. I underscore... Since the day the Senate passed the UAP Disclosure Act, July the 27th, there has been no sign that any office or appointee in official capacity of the Biden administration has done anything on Capitol Hill to affirmatively advance the UAP Disclosure Act towards enactment. In fact, recent developments that are visible to all strongly suggest that the Biden administration has taken, at best, a strictly hands-off approach, unquote. So, that's all very well and good, but... Uh, that doesn't necessarily directly contradict anything that Sheehan has said he's basically just laying out the very very clear evidence that the biden administration doesn't want to be seen publicly to have anything to do with this there is also some some kind of things that point towards even non-public channels um being uh, you know quote-unquote radio silence in terms of the white house and um, passing on messaging to, to any others but you know could that hands-off approach be At least the public hands-off approach, be in contrast with what is happening behind the scenes, you know. I I'd sort of argue that maybe that you know, there's a strong case for that. But Johnson does go on to say, "Quote: What we are seeing unfold now is not the picture we would see if the UAP disclosure act was really something that the president of the United States had decided that he needed as the solution to a major problem," as Daniel Sheehan claims, rather. It is a picture that strongly suggests that a bipartisan group of senators leaned forward on the UAP issue without any promise of White House support, perhaps hoping that such support would develop, if we build it, they will come, only to see that the UAP Disclosure Act in the end being carved up by key senior Republicans without any countervailing pressure from House Democrats and without any attempt at rescue from the White House. So again, I ask, who are you going to believe? Daniel Sheehan, the self-styled insider and power broker, or your own eyes, unquote. Now, a pretty clear kind of you know, pushback, shall we say, um, to the things that Danny Sheehan is saying. But as I say, the point that it really makes there is that there is no open support for this from the White House. What's going on behind the scenes, we don't actually know. It, it, it's it's quite possible for example that the White House may have said to whoever it may, may be that they do support it and they are hoping that this goes through but they don't want to be seen to publicly support it for various reasons as I've said you know there's been there's been discussion of of the Uap issue being an election you know hot topic kind of thing i I really don't see that being the case for many years to be honest I think the stigma is still so strong that if you I mean let's let's think back, you know, the, the, the presidential debates on T V that we see. You know, the any any time there is a political um, you know, personality trying to put themselves across a certain way everything is scrutinized every little facial expression you know what socks they're wearing you know what i mean (laughs) everything is is absolutely combed over and for a president to come out in that type of situation and talk about ufos is way too risky because you're just painting a target on your back um the criticism the tabloid headlines that would be written about it um i think that especially biden who is kind of under fire from certain parts of, of of the population anyway and certainly under fire from certain people within the political world and um, i think he's going to be he wouldn't touch this topic with a badge pole publicly but the other, the interesting thing with biden is that a lot of the people in his inner circle a lot of people that he's been involved with over the course of his career have actually been quite high level in terms of being pro transparency and being key players let's not forget Dave Grush had talked about how he'd spoken to Harry Reid and Harry Reid had mentioned that he was going to get on the phone to Biden. Um at that point in time. And now obviously Biden is the president of the United States, you know, love it or hate it, that's that's the reality of it. And so it would suggest that the the way that things have played out in the last, you know, decade or so, that Biden is probably quite familiar with all of this stuff. But as we know, Biden, funnily enough, has been sort of quite keen to distance himself from this topic publicly whenever he gets asked about it he just doesn't want to talk about it and this is going back years it's not just right now so i would suggest that all we're seeing here is a, a continuation of biden's desire to avoid the topic and especially with how close we are to an election in the united states and especially with how high profile the discussion around this topic is becoming i would suggest at this point he's he's just continuing business as usual that's what he's been doing if we all remember there was a i'm sure you'll be able to find this by typing in biden ufo comment or something on youtube and i'm sure it'll pop up it's been a few times he's been asked about comments that barack obama has made about this and all he said is things like oh you'd have to ask barack obama about that or something you know there's a famous quote he doesn't want to touch this topic biden he doesn't. I mean, what's going on behind closed doors is a different thing. And has Danny Sheehan been privy to some conversations? Is is there something that he knows about that what's going on? Danny Sheehan has also mentioned that he has been approached to uh, put forward recommendations for the presidential advisory board, um, which is an, another pretty pretty big claim. You know, the question is, who are you going to believe? danny sheehan or your own eyes well if there's certain things that your own eyes are not able to see because they're happening behind closed doors you can't always believe your own eyes you know um i would say you don't necessarily have to believe either take both on board find it interesting and let's just sit back and see how it plays out um of course sitting back and seeing how this plays out is is not necessarily the the approach I would recommend certainly there's been a lot of people um, in, in the states you know really showing unprecedented support for this legislation in terms of political activism uh, contacting representatives so if you're in the states and you have the ability to do that um, and you have the time to do that I, I that, that's definitely something I would recommend don't just sit back if that's the case if you do have the time to get involved in in demonstrating the 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 public interest in this topic and demonstrating the desire for answers to these questions you know to your representative whoever you can contact then then definitely do so and very important obviously to do that in a non-aggressive way to do that in a rational reasonable way and to put forward the argument for that um you know as delicately as, as possible but also as thoroughly as possible and um, obviously, there's been times in the past where I've contacted my MP here in the UK about this issue. Um, I actually didn't even get a response back, which is very disappointing indeed. Uh, but I do know of other people who have tried that, and you can be more successful depending on what area you're in and who your MP is. So definitely trying to be proactive in that sense really does make a difference. The fact is, especially here in the UK, there's a kind of an understanding that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite all right to completely... Um, just you know claim that there isn't any public interest you know there's, there's no threat to national security and all the rest of it and we need to basically make it absolutely clear that as the public we don't want to take no for an answer in that regard and actually there is quite a lot of interest in this amongst the public unprecedented levels of interest i would suggest compared to in previous years and you know the big question of course around all of this is because let's be clear there's one thing that everybody is in agreement on whether you're d dean johnson whether you're daniel sheehan and um, whoever you are debunkers everybody is on the same page with this um you know if there is nothing to hide why the unbelievable levels of pushback from these high level politicians to block this you know all should be at least in agreement at this point in time that we want more data we want more information And this is a very important question. I think, again, everybody, everybody, debunkers, hardcore believers alike, agree on this aspect of it. Yeah, we all want to know the answers to these questions. It's just that some people have an already predetermined idea of what the answer is. You know, are we alone in the universe? Have we been visited by other life from somewhere else in the universe or even, you know, perhaps outside of the universe? Who knows? We all want to know the answers to that. It's just that debunkers have already decided that no, we've not. And there are of course, you know, hardcore believers, um, who may or may not be justified in in, in thinking what they think, uh, who who are absolutely adamant that yes, we have been visited. Now, if you have had a clear, unambiguous UFO sighting that that you have thought long and hard about and you know and you you've seen something that you 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 cannot explain as anything prosaic you know i get that you would sort of think that you already have the answer to that question it sort of makes sense and i think you know for that reason i kind of identify with that way of looking at it i personally have never had that kind of experience so i don't think i'm i'm in that in that category you know but i would say that we we can all be in agreement you know to to summarize that what we want is more data to finally get the definitive answers because even people who've had unambiguous experiences don't really know how much of it is a manipulation of consciousness did you actually see what you think you saw or was it some kind of you saw something that's truly anomalous but you saw a triangle and in actual fact it wasn't a triangle you know was it even physically there you know these kinds of questions even if you are absolutely convinced of, of the reality of this there's still a lot of questions that that throws up um how long has this been happening? If you're convinced that they come here, what's the motivation for them coming here? Why are they doing this? Why did I have, even if you're absolutely certain you had that experience, why did you have that experience? What was the purpose of it? And these questions we all want answers to, you know, wherever you sit on that spectrum, we all want answers. And the way to get those answers is increased transparency. You know, not flinging open Pandora's box in an irresponsible way because that would harm national security. But if we do this in a in a reasonable way, increased transparency, responsible transparency, you know, obviously the buzzword has been controlled disclosure over the last couple of weeks. Um, but how do we get to that responsible, controlled transparency? Um, it's this type of legislation, you know. And you'd think everybody would behind be behind that, but... That obviously hasn't been the case Um, you know we we hear calls of science you know not pseudo science we want science uh, when something is being worked on you know to deliver you know the data and the information which would actually allow that science to be done certain folks are dead against it you know and, and it just goes to show i, I suppose uh, what people's you know motivations are so i mean what are the actual reasons not to disclose whatever is there i mean this is something that we've wrangled and grappled with on the podcast quite a lot um sheehan was talking on one of the podcast appearances that i mentioned uh with i think it was the one with james iron Dolly. uh he was mentioning about the the contractors that are trying to crack the reverse engineering aspects of the technology for use um in the most powerful weapons in the world you know to create a weapon that would mean you have undisputed dominance across the whole world and you know, it's it's an interesting one because the U.S. has been in that position of undisputed dominance for quite some time. We live in a a very uncertain and unsteady and disconcerting time where the U.S. is now in a position. Uh, I know a lot of my listeners think eighty percent odd of my listeners are, are in the U.S. and you know you'll listen to this and you'll you'll know exactly what I mean. The U.S. is now in a position where you know. Perhaps that's a little bit more precarious than it has been over previous decades. You know, I've grown up. I grew up. I was born in the eighties. I grew up in in a time where you know the U.S. was kind of like the big brother to the U.K. You know, wherever the U.S. goes, we go with them, and wherever we go, the U.S. comes with us. You know, uh, a partnership, a special relationship that goes all the way back to the World Wars, um, and we have always had that comfort of knowing that you know we are you know the the undisputed dominant force within the world the us and its close allies us australia you know the five eyes and that is not as clear as it used to be it's it's still arguably very much the case but we're in a very changing landscape in world politics and and you know that kind of thing and the us is definitely in a position where because the, the, the extent of that is debatable you know How precarious is that balance of power in the world and that kind of thing? The extent of that is up for debate, but I I think everyone would agree that the US is in a position now where having that technology would ensure global dominance for decades. You know, if if this really exists and it's been reverse engineered and the US crack it before anybody else does, it would ensure global dominance for decades. You know, that makes sense as you know a reason why they might not want to disclose because they're perhaps close you know we hear a lot about how they're not close to cracking this i I don't think we can really take that to the bank we don't know for sure what if they are very close to cracking it what if they've cracked key aspects of it and they're very close to cracking you know the thing that will allow this to be operable deployable tech um you know it, it could it could be and professor gary nolan was asked um on x you know by, by somebody, why are you advocating for something that you aren't sure is in the best interest for the direction of humanity? And that's a very interesting question, isn't it? Why are you advocating for something that you're not actually sure is even in the best interests of us all as humans? Um, And, you know, to be honest with you, it's something that I've grappled with that. You know, why why do I push for transparency, considering I'm not even sure if that's actually a good thing? Um, Certainly not complete transparency that's where i draw the distinction between complete throwing of pandora's box wide open that would be an uncontrolled catastrophic disclosure as the buzzword goes um as opposed to a controlled reasonable rational transparency which i think is a basic human right of everybody who lives on this planet we're in a confusing bloody existence on this world aren't we you know it's a world of immense joy and and wonderful experiences contrasted with absolute horror and the most unimaginable suffering that you could possibly think of all you know it's a confusing existence and if there are anything close to answers as to why we're here are we alone these massive questions that we all you know deep down want to know the answers to even if we've cast those to the back of our minds because we don't feel like it's a productive thing to dwell on i think a lot of the, pub- the public are. Uh, Uh, you know in that kind of category we all deep down i think need you know deserve to know you know why do we why are we here having this existence you know and if there is any kind of uh, uh, something close to an answer or at least partial answer that's being held back from from people that is a a horrific injustice And and i believe that's why people like danny sheen are getting involved in this throwing their legal knowledge and experience and passion into finding those answers because they believe just like those other issues that they've worked on in the past this is a fundamental right of people to know this at least whatever aspects can be revealed without jeopardizing national security which is not something any of us want but no one's response anyway to get back to that was quote good question take this as a thought experiment if it exists and we ignore it we are either ignoring potential knowledge of all kinds if it does not exist knowing that lets us go on to other things. If it exists and it's good or neutral then we might be losing out on something. If it exists and it's bad then we're not preparing ourselves for some perhaps not distant negative interaction. If it exists and our total acknowledgement stimulates it to do something negative then you are right referring to the original question there i've always been the guy to kind of say willingly what does this button do and then push the button shrug and <laughs> and i just absolutely love that um that interaction on twitter that's why i'm still on twitter for things like that just such a great thought-provoking exchange and you know, there's just so much food for thought in there. I mean, you know, first of all, if it doesn't exist, knowing that lets us go on to other things has got to be one of the strongest arguments for taking this topic seriously and drilling into it and actually trying to get somewhere with figuring this out. Because that surely that, that's a key aspect of this. Like, if it exists then we're missing out on potentially all of the discoveries that we could make through exploring that and if it doesn't exist then just actually knowing that and being able to accept it is very important you know because then it allows us to actually focus our efforts on other areas you know and um i think when when you know debunkers who are who are claiming that th- there should be no time spent on looking into this topic, and you know politicians are wasting their time. I've e- I've even seen some um, posts on social media about from you know your debunker types of characters saying that they've phoned representatives and argued for this legislation to be dropped. You know they've actually took the time to phone politicians to to actually demand that all of this UAP nonsense is a waste of time. Well, surely we should all be pushing for the answers and debunkers you know folks who are are complete believers in all of this stuff alike should be working together to actually get a definitive answer which none of us can actually have at this moment in time without the government revealing what it does or does not know you know and also an extension of this kind of this this way of thinking is that if you know, if if it does exist, and this isn't what was in the tweet, but I'm just I'm just kind of extrapolating out a little bit. If it does exist and we don't know the answers to certain key aspects of it, but we do know to certain others, then that is still very, very important because it allows us all to stop wasting our time and effort thinking about whether or not, you know, for example, like, you know, this is even happening in the first place. And it allows us to focus our efforts on figuring out what the motivation is, what we can learn from this, and where where's the origin of these beings? Is there multiple origins? You know, there's there's huge questions that we need to grapple with that at the moment we're spending all of our effort trying to actually get to the bottom of this, trying to increase transparency and all of that energy could be used on other things, even if there was just a simple acknowledgement of, yeah, we have something. And we don't know what it is. We've tried looking into it. You know, just the the questions as to whether or not we're we're alone in the universe could be answered without jeopardizing anything, anything at all to do with national security. You know, yeah, we've got stuff. We can't talk about what it is because of adversaries. Fine. That is a massive, massive question that gets answered right there. That human beings on this planet that are battling through this existence deserve to know the answer to, in my opinion and very very interesting as well if it exists and it's bad which is a scary thought isn't it like if all of this is true and we're all pushing towards the light at the end of the tunnel and then the light at the end of that tunnel turns out to be pretty bad news you know we need to know about that you know because then we can start to prepare ourselves for as nolan puts it some perhaps not distant negative interaction You know, we maybe it's looking at something coming up soon that's going to be negative interaction, and and human beings, if they don't even have a clue, and they're just, you know, just moving along through day to day life with no idea that there's a, you know, in a couple of years' time we've got some kind of negative interaction with non-human intelligence coming up. If there's any kind of knowledge of that being held, then we, I certainly would want to know about it. I suppose that is a question in itself. If there was let's say 2030 just to put a random number on it something really bad is going to happen let's say our our government are aware that there's going to be um you know a negative interaction coming up 2030 and you personally would you want to know or would you rather just live life oblivious to that until it happens because then at least you get to live another few years of normal life without the horrors of knowing that something's coming I don't know. I've stumbled upon this big question just now and I don't even know the answer to that myself. I'll have to think on that one. But no one has clearly been the type of guy willing to say, "What does this button do?" and then push the button anyway. Am I that kind of guy? I don't know. Nolan ends the tweet with a shrug. So on that shrug, let's move on. Are we going to see first-hand whistleblowers anytime soon? Certainly what a lot of folks are pointing to is something that's coming up. Ross Coulthard has said they're on the way. They're ready to go. Corbell and Knapp recently have said uh, that they're aware of folks that are that are in the process of, of, of talking about coming forward. Um, Jeremy Corbell, quote, there will be more hearings. Are we going to see someone saying, I worked on an alien spacecraft? I think we are, unquote. George Knapp follows up, quote, we know people willing to do that, unquote. And that was from Weaponized Podcast episode 43. It certainly seems as though a lot of folks have heard that a lot of folks are willing to come forward and talk about their first-hand involvement. I've been having a lot of conversations behind the scenes as to how that could actually legally happen, um, whether or not it's even possible, Because, I mean, we know that these first-hand whistleblowers have now spoken to the Inspector General, Um, you know, from what Dave Grush has said. They've spoken to Grush, they've spoken to the Inspector General, that in some cases they've even spoken to Congress. You know, Grush was talking about how he had spoken to certain people and that he'd actually brought people who were familiar with the biological analysis to Congress to, to have them give their account of the examination of non-human biological material so we know that behind closed doors these people have already come forward first-hand witnesses the big question for me is is it even possible for those those same people to come forward onto a podcast for example or to be in a a news nation documentary or something of that nature i'm not sure i'm not sure one thing's for certain if they are able to do that what it would be a case of is an absolutely huge personal sacrifice just like dave grush has had to endure just like Lou Elizondo has had to endure you know it's not something that you can just talk about and then carry on with your career it's something that would require a huge amount of personal sacrifice from an individual even if they've already left the career behind and retired the re- the repercussions for talking about this kind of thing you know the legal grounds that they will they will be able to even do that um is is not clear and you know we'll see we'll certainly see um will we see a first hand whistleblower in 2024 on Joe Rogan for example i would like very much to see that i'm not actually sure that it would be th- this something that we're going to see are we going to see an official are we going to see an official announcement from somebody in the government i'm doubtful but i don't want to be pessimistic we'll certainly see but that's about all we've got time for for today's episode um i'm gonna leave it there um i'd love to hear folks thoughts You know, I've really enjoyed, you know, I mentioned on the podcast a little while ago that um, I'm always interested to hear where people work and I've had quite a few people get in touch to say where they listen to the podcast and... um All kinds of of various things from uh, industrial welders to people on fishing boats in the Arctic to mechanics out in the desert in a little, um, you know, a little shack garage, um, uh, you know, as as described by one individual um, to people all across the world. Uh, It's just so cool. You know, I'm sat here. In my little tiny box room with a microphone in front of me, talking at, at my computer screen, <laughs> and obviously I'm fascinated in this topic, and I would do this even if nobody listened. But it's just so cool to hear folks um, talking uh, about you know where they listen to the pod, people on the way to work, walking the dog in the morning, listening to me, um, talk about UFOs. It's quite surreal, but also really really cool. Um, and you know, if it wasn't for folks listening, it would just be me talking to a microphone staring at a computer screen. So thanks for everybody who's been in touch about that. It's really cool and and if you've already if you've got your own uh cool listening location, do let me know, drop me an email UFOthinker at protonmail.com, com UFOthinker at hotmail dot com. I'm on Twitter at UFOthinker. and uh, you can also support the podcast as well on patreon, uh, Spotify. Don't pay podcasters any money. I don't get a penny from Spotify, which I think is, um, you know, a whole other rant to go on. But I'm not going to go on that right now. But essentially, um, I would love to spend more time, you know, on on doing the podcast, and and I'd love to. If I could do this full time, I would do a podcast every single day. I love speaking to people, interviewing people, talking on my own, doing roundtables, the whole thing. it's so it's so cool, it's so much fun and this topic is you know the most fascinating topic in the world in my opinion, you know closely followed by the the secrets of our history and things like that and uh, I would love to spend more time um, you know doing this uh, and maybe one day uh, with the support of listeners I, I will be able to. Um, the best way to support the podcast currently is patreon. So that is um, patreon.com forward slash UFO thinker. And you can support from a couple of pounds, dollars, whatever your local currency is. And you get early access to episodes. Um, We have little discussions and things. People post comments about the episodes when they go up. Every episode goes up at least a day, usually a couple of days early. So you get early access to episodes as well. You can listen directly in the Patreon app as well. Uh, I support a couple of other podcasts, UFO podcasts on Patreon. And uh, the Patreon app's actually really good for listening to podcasts as well. Um, so you don't have to listen on Spotify. Uh, and I don't have any ads or sponsorships on the podcast. Uh, I do believe that if you listen on, I think it's Podbean, you do get ads pop up. Uh, I didn't even realise that was the case. It all gets kind of done um somewhere behind the scenes but certainly if you listen on spotify all the main streaming platforms there is no adverts and i would love to keep it that way that is the way i prefer to do things i hate this kind of ads popping up everything you watch has got ads on it etc so the way i choose to receive support rather than through ads is through patreon so that's the best place to support but just generally aside from all of that um you know i hope everybody's doing well and keeping warm because it's absolutely freezing up in the north of england at the moment i don't know what it's like elsewhere it was minus four celsius last night because i know uh, the americans out there use fahrenheit but in in the uk we use celsius and it is flipping freezing at the moment minus four i've had to diff- you scrape all the ice off my car every morning it is proper wintry so um it's definitely been a cold one hope everybody's keeping warm out there get the old wood chopped for the fire and uh as i've said before in the past before disclosure i'll still be chopping my wood trying to keep warm in the winter and finding good food and drink and spending time with family and loved ones and after disclosure i would aim to do those very same things so on that note uh, i'm gonna leave it there i'll go chop some wood so i hope everyone's uh Uh, had an enjoyable listening experience and until next time take it easy stay curious and i'll catch you in the next episode